Hello there, listeners, and welcome back to the Speaking Generally podcast. I am Stephen Hussey. I've got old froggy boy George Taylor with me today. <laughs> on That's charming, that is. On brand new podcasting software, so we'll see how this one works out. Do they know I look like a frog, Steve, the listeners? I think maybe on the podcast you've referred to yourself a couple of times as looking froggy, but I guess I guess they don't really know what that means, but... Mm. But it's kind of been a long-running thing of well, not ours. I mean, you've you've accepted the branding. It's not not us making fun or anything. You've no, no. <laughs> it's it's the times when you've felt like you were very bloated and you felt you look like a sort of stout Mister Toad figure. Um, I thought you were just laughing at my eyes, but apparently it's about how much I eat as well. No, nah, okay. it's not the eyes. Oh, it's a bit of. Anyway, he he looks lovely, and um, uh, you can you can see a picture of George on my Instagram. So there you go, a wedding picture. Um, hello, George. Today we are going to be talking all about balance. This is one okay. that I've brought to George, and uh, mm. I wanted to discuss the topic of whether balance in life is worth it. Uh, if you know, people talk a lot about work-life balance. They talk about trying to find a harmony between these different areas of your life. Obviously, a lot of people now feel that they are compelled to always be on the clock or to be productive. You get a lot of, quote, hustle porn and all that sort of kind of cringy stuff online where there's lots of people telling you to work your, you know, work as hard as possible and hustle to get there and all that stuff. Um, particularly if you're around that sort of personal development uh, ambient noise, which I feel has become a bit of the ambient noise of social media. There's a lot, a lot of personal development everywhere now. Um, and people can find it stressful. And obviously now, when people have been in lockdown and pandemic, as we have been this year, people have found themselves already grappling with that idea of being at home and feeling like they should be working a lot or they're at their desk all the time how do you separate those things so i just want to talk about the idea of not not just yeah work life balance just everything balance um and whether it is worth it if you should balance over every single day if you should just try and get balance over your life or if balance is not really worth worrying too much about and whether that's you subscribing to other people's values of a good life. Any instinctive reactions on this one, George? First one is that it's probably a bit callous to talk about balance when people can't do a lot of the stuff they would like to do because of, you know, restrictions imposed by the coronavirus situation. So I'm um, callous. That's <laughs> you're starting, is it? Just feels a little bit like, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, work hard, but go out and do stuff as well. Oh, you can't go out. Just stay at home. You know, don't see anyone else. Work, then go out dancing with 50 people in yeah. a club that you're not allowed to do anymore. Yeah. Um, well, it's that was my first response. It's just a little bit like, timing may be a little bit <laughs> off. <laughs> well, no, this is good timing, I think, George, because people have been forced into a specific scenario. And I think even in microwaves, people are trying to find some semblance of balance and you know, get some equanimity so they don't get burnt out. Or so when you say balance, you mean, uh, uh, I know we could apply it in loads of ways, but you mean in the sense of uh, maybe you're someone who works 18 hours a day, start working 14 hours a day and do something social. You mean finding a mixture of activities and interests, or do you mean in a more sort of spiritual, almost like Buddhist sense? I, I think of it more in just in terms of, you know, taking the components of what people typically see as a quote, the good life, if you want to get, you know, back to sort of ancient Greek philosophy about it. And, you know, the the sort of the classic Aristotelian view, championed by, of course, Aristotle. He didn't have a first name, he's just like Cher or Seal, just Aristotle. Um and uh you know, he he was a great proponent of sort of harmony of virtues, uh, very much the sort of middle way, in, you know, sort of not, not, not extreme on either one side. 
And yeah, I think of it in terms of looking at, okay, we can zoom in at some point and talk about the kind of strange year we're in now. But I think even just in thinking of people's entire lives, uh, I think people think about whether they they have these different plates. So so in in I've read this sort of cod, you know, pop psychology theory that's known as the four burners theory. And this may be a good place to start, George, is that it's something I've know, never heard of. So yeah. Yeah. And and just just to crudely put it, they they have family, friends, health, work. And there's a kind of idea that you know these are these are the general components people think about when they think about having a balanced life having a good life and there's a kind of more severe theory that says that to be successful you have to cut one of them off or turn one of them burners down significantly and then there's an even more severe idea that says to be really successful you might have to turn two of them down or off which would obviously success be- measured how well they they might say if you want one area to be like super super duper fulfilled or maxed out so if you want to the you know the cliche would be if you want to be elon musk you might be turning down friends a lot you might not so if you want to be healthy you shouldn't have friends or a job (laughs) so if you want to be if you want to be super duper healthy um marathon running kale smoothie drinking athlete then maybe you'll have to turn friends and family down quite a lot, perhaps. I don't think marathon running's a healthy thing to do. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. Well, let's say a more sustainable form of exercise. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm not saying I agree with sure. with the extreme implications of that, but but I think it's it's interesting to talk through because I'm always fascinated, George, by the choices we make in life and how we decide to you know because you have the kind of i think balance is still seen as a virtue in our society and if you're lacking in one of these it people do seem to think that like the idea is like that's a problem right if you had were very successful um close to your family if you had no friends would people judge you it would be seen as a slight you know um blip on your character or obviously that if you were sort of, you know, the sort of Citizen Kane uh, archetype of being the person who lives for his job, his career, his money, um, and, you know, pays no mind. People think Citizen Kane wasn't successful. No, but they think the the, the film is he's kind of sad, isn't he? Because he's, he's uh, a fairly, dies a fairly lonely figure. And sure, but I mean, I, I know what we're talking about here, but I do feel that what well, of those four categories family you're kind of at the mercy of the family you've been born into but that's often you don't have any autonomy over that mm. and health it would be very callous to say oh he's he's riddled with terminal disease so he's sort of let the side down that's unless you're talking about like disease of lifestyle i don't really think people can judge others for their health yeah well there, there's definitely elements of luck involved in all of them right i guess where where I guess even with work, you could be lucky enough to find something you're particularly good at that is valuable to society. So even that in some way has an element of survivorship luck bias. Yeah, but broadly, my feeling of response to what that theory of four thing is there is it's really just a tool for time management. That that feels like what we're talking about when we talk about balance. There's that... I don't know, so if you work for a consultancy, you can either, you know, work like work really hard, sleep, or, you know, there's like the triangle of three things you can do, right? Or like socialize. And it's like you have to drop one of them to be able to do the others. Again, it's a question of time management. I, so do you do you think it's a myth then that you would have to drop anything? Do you think you can keep all the balls in the air? I think people can have be healthy, have a happy family, have friends, and have a career. And have those four things concurrently. It depends how you define success. If it is you have to be Elon Musk and that counts as a success, then maybe not. But he's what one of six and a half billion people, so that's not the norm. But I think on a sort of like normalised chart of what you would think, you know, I've got five good friends. I'm happily married. 
I earn the money I need to sustain the lifestyle I have and I can do the exercise I require to not die at 25. I think plenty of people meet those requirements, don't they? I think, well, I think that's the ideal, right? I think a lot of people feel they get them out of sync often and most people feel like they're trying to juggle these balls in the air and they think, I don't spend enough time with my kids, but I'm trying to make enough money to you know, provide for me and everyone, or I'm trying to, you know, be a lawyer, but also be a good, you know, wife or whatever and mother. So I, yeah, I think, I think people tend to think of them all as important. I guess, I guess it, you, you are right in that we tend to, part of the problem may be that we tend to focus on extreme outliers as, yeah. as models, or we look at them and think, you know, obviously, associated with a lot of that sort of hustle porn mentality is a is a is a real sort of lionization of people who are you know it's like it's not enough to be successful no you have to be like a billionaire or a multi-millionaire you know even things that are you know by definition they are like an extreme level on the the curve so to speak i avoid that sort of stuff like the plague but i'm guessing that the undercurrent of that though is oh well if you work you know, 100 hours a week for the next two years, your company that you're starting or the promotion that you need will happen. You'll suddenly mm. be earning all the money you want and you can spend all your time with your kids because you sold your company. So is it? It's is the undercurrent of that generally prioritizing high effort in the here and now to have balance, quote unquote, in the long-term future? Or is it just mm. I'm a glutton for punishment and what makes me happy is being at my desk every day? Yeah, that that's a really good distinction. I think people do tend to think, yeah, well, if I kill myself now in my 20s and 30s and whatever and 40s, then, you know, I'm going to have a lovely, rich retirement. Obviously, that's probably not the best trade-off because, you'd, you know, those years, those decades are very valuable and you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be happy if someone told you now, oh, you're, you're just you're barely going to sleep and you're going to work your face off for two decades and not really enjoy those years. Um, you also, you can't invest in the career is potentially the, it's only, well, you can't go with your friends. Um, I'll speak to you in 20 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to hammer everything else, but you be there for me when I need you in the future, but I'm not going to invest any time in this. You can't, um, or with family, or with health, I'm going to let myself get really out of condition so that I can do all this other stuff, and then the payoff will come in the future. It's like all of those things need sort of constant tending, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's you've hit it now on the head. Is that I think probably some people do think certain things will still be available to them or waiting for them, and it's weird right because obviously deferring gratification is sort of a key life skill in in Mm. lots of ways um but perhaps it's knowing what you're actually it's sort of deferring for the right kind of purpose whereas if your ideal is just that i'm gonna be 50 and be uh swimming in money but you know kind of lose everything else that's important uh, you probably you probably missed the mark at some is point. That re- is that such yeah, a think, nuanced I mean, thinking? Do, I, do people think, who are these people who just think, oh, yeah, I'll work really hard, then when I'm 50, everything will be brilliant? Like, do people, no, are there I, I lots of people out there who like don't that. get it? I think, I think some people think I'll, uh, maybe they think I'll kill myself for a few years, right? And it might be that they're desperately working on yeah, they, they've maybe just got into a law firm or they've just done a startup or they're working as to be an academic or whatever it is. And they just think, well, I'll just, I'll just go hell for leather now to secure this career, yeah. this position, this money so that that's all, that's all safe. And there's a real logic to that. And I think, I think this is what I want to expand the thing into. In some ways, in some ways, balance might be something you think about over your life in a certain way in that people do feel that 20s and 30s and are people sort of climbing years where they do have to get a foothold in certain areas maybe that's why people now lots of men many people tend to defer their you know 
marriage and kids when they think like this or if they're very like aspirational on a work front they think i'm gonna put that aside like get everything else secure so that i can then really do those and feel comfortable about them and i i wrestle with when the trade if the trade is good or bad on those sorts of things because you know for example you your youth is really valuable right and you have lots of opportunity you have lots of time to explore things and um we've talked about obviously the the travels we've been able to do i was able to go to asia for a couple of months last year and that's the kind of decision where it's obviously fairly a fairly privileged decision to be able to make but but there's like that that thing of well i am young and i should enjoy the adventures and i should just you know take that chance to do all the exploration that comes with that but the more sort of the the sort of more obsessive mentality would say well no now you should be like sacrificing and working and trying to just build 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 and that that's the attitude i'm skeptical of and if it drives people to purposely defer things that it's like you don't know if they're coming again right and that's well yeah exactly that is. right that's that's the thing that's the most pertinent is it's like you had the opportunity to go and travel around the world a bit so it's like what what better opportunity is going to come deferring that for what like why would you defer that um, yeah you're talking about it now you will continue to talk about that throughout your life right that's not um not something that will pass you by whereas oh actually i should have done done some more spreadsheets in that time so that when i do eventually get the chance to travel i could have done it in a higher quality of air travel or something i don't i don't know what the uh yeah, when the, when the opportunity already exists to put it aside to then push on, like even in a relationship, right? You, if you're in a relationship that that is like the one you think is going to be really meaningful for you, you're going to think, well, I wish this would have lasted longer or I wish I met this person sooner. So deferring something that is sort of the standard you actually want, that is what's probably quite damaging and hurtful with that attitude of like, yeah, pushing everything aside for the future. But if you're coming from a position of I've had nothing or I've not been able to have educational opportunities, so I've needed to really strive to get to this position and the, the idea of me being able to travel the world is impossible. Um, yeah, I, I can understand that. But if you're in a position where there are things you can be doing already that are going to add value, then you should probably take the chance to do them because you could, you could die in six months time right or there could be a global pandemic or yeah any, you know you might never be able to travel to asia again we don't know what's going to happen do we so yeah that's that that's the thing that always gives me pause when uh, you know i've i've uh, at times in my life lent hard on the work side when i've been trying to do a lot of things at the same time like trying to do my phd phd is like a, a conscious choice of doing that isn't it i suppose you're going i'm committing myself to four years to then become an academic yeah and, you know. yeah and uh and and yeah it's a commitment right because you could just be sort of swanning about in places or whatever in that time if you're if you're young and whatever but um but yeah you choose to kind of dedicate yourself to a project and a particular form of deep study and you know i was doing that and wrote wrote the book with my brother and stuff and and consciously chose to lean into work at that time and i think it's the yeah the thing i've often held put the brakes on when i felt myself getting and there have been times when i've gone too crazy trying to do lots of things and frankly deferring gratification too much and the thing yeah the thing that gives me pause about that whole balance over a lifetime thing is just that some you realize as you get older sometimes some windows are just there for that window and yeah you're not going to have that moment where you and your group of friends are together in a particular environment. Again, you're not going to have that moment where you have two months to travel to Asia again. you you know, you don't know. And that's why it's dangerous, right? Because you can't predict. You think that 10 years from now, you'll just be doing the same thing you are now, but obviously that's not true. But well, and also the, to predict that we'll even have 10 years right like because that's sort of the balance and portioning out of the different aspects of a life if you if everyone was guaranteed you live for 100 years this is what you do you portion it out in a very clear and measured way but there's no guarantee that any of that 
is going to be around day to day, let alone, you know, long term. So there's certainly, I feel, or as my life has gone on, I've certainly lent towards we're going to move to America this year. There's an opportunity that we didn't have to take or do, but certainly might not come around again. And I know it will be something that if given the opportunity to live longer, I will talk about in the future, right? It's, um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be telling my children, oh, I did lots of work. You'll talk about the things that that work earned you or yeah. the opportunities that are around it, obviously like the, you know, that you own a house or you've got like comfortable surroundings. They're not really the things you talk about. I don't think Elon Musk tells his kids, Oh, look how, look how big my house is. It will be about experiences. I would have thought, assuming you can reach a sort of level of comfort where you're not really struggling. Yeah. Experiences are probably going to weigh more than anything else. Yeah. And why you tend to only talk about things if you've, yeah, if you if you achieved something particularly special or made something you really cared about, but not the actual the actual process of mm. of oh, I just sat and worked longer is not is not anything you really yeah. When remember. you say the book you wrote with your brother, it's like oh, we did a book tour, we visited this place, it opened up some TV opportunities, but you won't say I sat for six months. Dated, I was with you when you were writing it. <laughs> It's not, yeah. there's no story that comes from that process. The process isn't interesting. The experiences that result from the payoff of that process are interesting, but there's no guarantee that the, the payoff will be there. So if there is an alternative or just valid payoff or valid experience, then I'd probably lean towards taking that experience. Well, here's one thing on this topic that I was thinking, George, you know, a lot of the people we admire or a lot of the people who we think of as having done very interesting things have often tended to towards the extreme and not even just say that Elon Musk's, but I was reading a thing about uh, Haruki Murakami who, when he's, when he's in the writing of a novel, he wakes up at four, he writes for five or six hours then he goes for a 10K run or a swim. Then he has music and reading, then bed. And he said he just kind of repeats this routine in a very sort of mundane way to kind of get this meditative rhythm to finishing a book. And in some ways, he's accepting, right? I, I don't know what he's like when he's not writing a book, but in some ways, he's accepting the only way of getting this this huge thing out of myself is to live in a very... uh narrowed down sort of fairly focused extreme way and in some ways that kind of speaks to maybe the idea of balance spread a bit over time maybe i mean i suppose there's something there right he's not he's not sitting in a cave getting fat and writing he's like working out he's you know having a bit of reading but but there's a kind of ascetic um singular focus there yeah in a certain way i think in some some ways that speaks to the benefits of perhaps like deciding when to be excessive like i've got now this period is happening and i'm just going to kind of sink into this definitely but i think what's interesting is he knows that he will get the rewards for his efforts right he knows that he will sell a couple of million copies of his book he's got the obligations imposed upon him by his publishing house He's, uh, he knows that that's worked for him before. Yeah, talking about the kind of extreme examples, just in terms of people who have already achieved success, is is it instructive or not? Because I, I don't think I could replicate that because I wouldn't know that there'd be any guarantee that it would be worthwhile. Um, and that is, again, he knows that there's opportunity and benefit from that sacrifice, and he knows that there's previous proof that it works for him and i think if you know <laughs> we're not young but we are still like early stages in our life sort of defining the direction we take yeah. there's no guarantee that oh okay i'll start doing a 20k run every day and just write and that'll make my business become more successful well it might not and then i've wasted three years that i could have spent socializing with people that i might not be able to do again so there is a bit of a i don't know like a it's a bit blinkered maybe to think replicating 
the the processes of successful people will also bear out success for yourself in at least in terms of how they kind of cookie cutter reproduce what they've already done previously because they're scaffolding it onto the framework of success that is now in place for them um how how do you think his wife feels about it as well <laughs> well he does have you a wife, hope right? he's better like you said what's he like outside of the writing cycle you've got to hope he's like good fun good value and they travel a lot and they go out and do stuff because he doesn't sound like a great he's not a great <laughs> especially if she's not into marathon running yeah that well that's that that's the thing right you do read about like some partners you know husbands and wives do accept sometimes that they are with a certain kind of extreme person and they just take on that role of like you know if you're if 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 you know she's a super famous whatever uh you know she's kind of a public intellectual or you know and a famous actor or something you might just say well this person's the extreme busy person the relationship is going to be all about what they do and their life and i'm kind of happy to sort of I'm happy to sort of accept that they are going to be 80% of the time focused in that place. And, and I guess some people do just, just say, well, that's our balance. Like I'm going to be more of the person who thinks about the family and stuff like that. And they're going to be the person who's more obsessed with the work. Um, I guess. So I, I don't think there is like a simple template of like a perfect balance works for everyone, because if you're, you know, if you're the president of the United States, you're probably not going to live a particularly balanced life while you're the president of the United no, States. No, and conversely, their spouse or their their partner also, you'd think, knows, okay, this is four years or eight years or whatever the political term is for the, the person where I'll take a backseat and just be the supportive one in the role. But is it balanced almost like in a meta sense to talk about these people who have just incredibly ludicrous lives? I don't think it's it's not particularly helpful to like get my own balance in order by thinking oh the president of the usa is really busy and has to do these things but they've also got a whole team of people that you know his he doesn't have to cook his own food i have to factor in <laughs> feeding myself into my day as the 99 percent of people so more um well, yeah, it's well like, gogan famously left his family to go and pursue his art and left his entire family i think i mean i don't want to besmirch gogan but i think that was some example that he went we, off to tahiti was he the one who went off to tahiti i'm not sure but there's an example of him sort of leaving behind his sort of domesticity um yeah he went to off to tahiti and got <laughs> was a bit of a naughty boy i think steve so in that I, in those four things where he's turned the three burners down so he could just fit his <laughs> mucky little boots or you know, like the the you know, I do think of it does seem that certain kinds of very focused people do seem to have a lifetime of struggle with balance. Like Nausgaard in those books we've talked about before, he, he you know he's been called the Norwegian Proust. He wrote the five or six volumes about his own life, but he in those books sometimes he sort of is often grumbling and groaning about the fact that they have to go on holiday with the kids and the family. And he's like, I don't want to go on holiday. I want to write, I want to sit and write, but if I have to, I have to sort of, sort of like he's conceding to the sort of the sort of other parts of life. Cause he feels like he has to sort of, I guess he's deciding I want to keep my family. So I have to do these things. I can't just sit and write in my room forever, but you do get the sense that he struggles with that sort of Yeah, I thing. think also with friends and with families, if they're two of the kind of four pillars, probably career as well, because health is the one that you have least, I don't know. There's like a a, a, a more clear-cut bar of what success is in terms of health, right? It's just not, not dying and being able to just keep living day to day. Um, but with like friends or family, if you're really energized or happy, when you're with your friends or with your family, then you're going to want to go on holiday with your family, right? Whereas I guess often people end up in a situation with family or friends by sort of necessity where it's not a positive experience uh, being with them. So you would rather be doing something else, but um, all being well in the process that you've gone through to sort of socialize with the people you want to socialize with 
I'd, I'd, you know, we're about to move to the US. Something I'm finding really hard about that is that I won't be able to see my friends anywhere near as much as I otherwise would. I'm not worried about the work situation. I'm not worried about other bits and pieces because I feel like I could work around those. But if you're in another continent from your friends, you can't benefit from them in the way that you would have done before. So I know by suddenly having that kind of pillar of those four things put um not at risk but like taken away from me in the way that it otherwise would be i realized that that's a really important thing for me and trying to find the time to still be able to speak online or do these kinds of calls and things you realize what's important out of those four things by like taking the others away or taking them away and seeing how yeah. much you kind of strive to have them back so willfully going I'm not going to speak to my friends for a few years because when I come out the other side of it, I'll be this much better person or richer person or whatever it would be. Seems sort of self-sabotaging really because it's the day-to-day experiences of those things that keep you being who you are. If you kind of bank, yeah, like bank them for a while and then still expect there to be the same things when you come out the other side or just optimistically think there'll be a better version of those things out the other side is maybe a bit naive and maybe a bit solipsistic because people also you know if you're choosing to not have balance and just pursue one thing for a while well other people are going to move on or do different things or feel differently about you so certainly in a social sense the kind of hashtag hustle world is to me maybe valid if you're coming from a position of having nothing and striving to have something completely beyond what's ever been available to you and your family and your background but if you're in a position where you've already got a kind of network of people and stuff and you then choose to push them aside for individual goals well others are going to be doing the same as well and you're going to yeah maybe lead to being a bit cut off i think it it could potentially be quite a selfish thing to choose to prioritize your development at the expense of sort of social cohesion oh yeah that well that's that's in some ways the the strange dilemma right is probably even some people who have done things that we're quite happy they've done them in some ways they may have had to have lived in a very self-centered or obsessive or unhealthy way mm. to achieve them i don't I don't know if it's it's not necessarily i don't agree with the truism of like oh you have to like you know you would have to like toil and live a lonely life to achieve something great but there probably are people who have sacrificed huge things to maybe have i don't know created a nobel prize winning breakthrough or mm. or you know have but made, been a really made, bad dad <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah and have made an amazing company or written great masterpieces but they may have been you know terrible shits in their personal life yeah. um but uh but i don't think it goes hand in hand it's not like oh it's like kind of there are these mythology sometimes that that's spread aren't there if like you know great writers have to be sort of raging alcoholics or addicts or something and and obviously these sort of romantic uh mythologies spring up but but there probably is always an element of sacrifice involved if you if you are trying and again we are still talking about rarefied percentage here but but maybe at those extreme levels it's just when the difference comes down to you know I don't know, you're Michael Phelps and you're like the best, potentially the best in the world at something or Michael Jordan. It's like to get that extra few percent that's going to make you the best ever, you might have to, you probably do have to live in a very extreme way. People just have to get on the train or get off. But like you say, we're not talking about most people here. We're talking about, and 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 I guess you're lucky enough as well. If you, like you said about Haruki Murakami, you you kind of need to experiment and try things to know like it's easier to to live in a very focused way once you've figured out something that works reliably yeah. and if you go oh my god i've suddenly cracked at 35 i realized where my real talent lies and i'm doing this and i'm getting people are loving it it's kind of a lot easier then to double and triple down and say yeah. well i'm just going to focus hard on this because this is a big winner for me um so yeah, it, it, whereas if you're just mindlessly spending hours at your desk with no real payoff, it's just kind of self-defeating, sort of um, masochistic mentality, really, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Um, I think it's oh, too much of anything. Too much of anything is 
too much that's like not healthy or good right I wouldn't want to be with my friends all the time I wouldn't want to be with my family all the time I wouldn't want to be working all the time you kind of inherently know that you need a bit of a balance in those things so it does just come down to measuring time and the most efficient or effective use of it that also aligns with the goals you've set yourself and if you don't have particular goals then it's just about aligning it with the sort of emotional or sort of social payoff that activities have for you right if you don't have a specific goal that you're striving towards then you just want to kind of sort of enjoy the most perks from the things that you can do day to day you just want to kind of most people are probably trying to maximize happiness i would have thought that's sort of the subconscious line that you know oh, i'll just play a video game because it makes me happy you're, you're doing it for those reasons balance would be if you just sit and play that video game all the time that it'll be diminishing returns so you'd go and do something different it's it i think what i'm trying to say is that if you have a goal that you're striving towards you're then having to make a value judgment of whether it's worth pushing for it in the short term for a longer term payoff and working out yeah yeah if if there's a risk reward there and if you're not striving to a specific goal then it's just you would think people have a a combination of what spending time with my mom and dad's great but i wouldn't want to do it every day i'll also want to see my friends it's it to me it feels quite a self-explanatory thing like when you first asked what's your response to this question before we started the podcast even i was a bit like well obviously you need a bit of a balance um and to me that that seems quite self-explanatory and to me that would only change if i had a really goal-oriented task at hand and i feel like that is also quite a vocational thing i don't feel like well yeah i need to write a book or i need to deliver this thing that i've been working on forever but if you don't have those uh, burning like yeah tasks or objectives or goals in in life or career then balance seems to be the the obvious um kind of way that a life is lived in a fulfilling way yeah i um I think I think most people know that you know when you're off kilter in terms of your happiness it's usually you can trace it to like there's some lack of you know yeah you're you're burnt out and you're not spending any time with people you love or mm. you're you're not taking care of yourself at all or or you're deeply dissatisfied with your work right you might be like I've got great friends and that but I'm totally feel like my work is soulless and doesn't mean anything and yeah you know it, it it's often you can trace to some something out of balance it's just yeah i i i tend to jump between whether daily balance matters or whether it's more like a kind of like is it more like a monthly thing like just mm. kind of if you average out your month should it just be sort of nicely spread with different uh you know some time of your friends some hard work some time of your family and i i guess that's my preference to lean towards that whereas on a daily level i can tend to be extreme in one direction and then it sort of av- it, ideally it sort of averages out over time whereas i yeah i, d- I don't know but but I'm, i think I'm the longer really- time the longer time frame you put on it right is where the high risk comes in because i obviously i would agree with that it's like in a month i don't want to play a football game every day because i'll just be exhausted or yeah, there's any number of examples but if you start talking about oh this is my 10-year plan or my 20-year plan if you're there's nothing wrong with kind of long-term planning but i think if you're doing it while also making really sort of direct decisions to go i'm going to sort of suppress this part of my life so that in 20 years i have this payoff well the world could look very different in that time frame. And I feel like this year has really certainly made me think about it. I'm sure most people think about how, yeah, you were planning a huge trip around the world. You can't, you can't do that now. So where are you getting your sort of social energy from or whatever it's maybe mm. being in a, being with your brother or doing something a little bit more social that you've not been able to do. You kind of reframe what, what's going to give you that, that sort of daily balance, I suppose. But, yeah yeah it's it's when the planning becomes that long term it's like oh yeah my 40s are going to be brilliant because i'm going to work really hard in my 20s right yeah get hit by a car yeah that's where i can't i you know when when people say think long term i'm like 
I, I can think about that in terms of like saving some money yeah. so that that guy, you know, the, the 40 or 50 year old me isn't sort of struggling. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I can think about that future me on that level. But yeah, when it comes to enjoyment, I always think, I always think it's a crazy trade off when it is like, you know, if I, if I hadn't done that trip last year or hadn't spent that time in my fam, like I spent some wonderful time in my family last year in Italy and, and like, yeah, the, the idea of just deferring that for whatever, 10 years, it's just like, well, that's, I don't, I don't have enough faith in, like, yeah, I don't have yeah, enough optimism completely. to think that things are going to be the same for whatever reason. So, and particularly if the opportunity is there, if you've got the opportunity to go on holiday and spend time with the family that you're really energized by being with, it would be really, really, I think, short sighted to go, no, I need to stay here and finish this project. If that project's not going to, cure cure cancer or do something incredible then i think in enjoy the short term as much as much as you can as well obviously in a responsible way you know not cutting all ties to everything but there are certainly people that take it to such extremes that a family holiday would just go by the wayside for no real get you know if you can yeah, make that work sure. up at another time then do it and make sure you also enjoy the experience in the here and now because there's also something very like it's when people also measure their sort of commitment and grind, but have the time to post about it on social media. <laughs> stop, stop doing the social media posts. That'll probably save you enough time to spend a week in Italy with your family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I tend to think a lot now in terms of as well, just, just what gives me energy. And that's where I try to, not only think about balance, but in terms of the quality of the balance of each of those quadrants, if you like, like I don't, I, I think a lot more carefully about what work energizes me, what friends energize me, like what, what is actually quality family time and what is just sort of like, you know, sitting around doing nothing with my family, sort of just wasting time. And like that, that becomes more important to me. I think as I get older is just, it is not the thing itself, but in terms of is this a thing I would actually would actually enjoy doing every day with my time? Like, are these the friends that I'm getting a lot out of, or am I just in a group of people just to socialize, but not really, you know, not really getting yeah. a lot out of the conversation or enjoying it? And so that's where I also tend to think a lot now about, you know, for me and you, well, me and you is different because we just hang out and we're, you know, very close anyway, but like certain friends, I just think what would actually be a quality thing to do with them or something I, the, the way we most enjoy spending time together rather than just like sitting and having a drink or something, mm. like what something we like to do. So, so yeah, that, that comes up more now, but um, yeah, that's quite a good thing. It's like quite a practical thing, right? Cause if it's like, if you are maybe sort of time poor, but you also want to maintain a, friendship or something if it's like well i know that guy likes playing sport as well then that's that's a good hook to kind of tick a couple of the boxes with right it's like have a friend that fulfills yeah like sort of you can address the health side of your sort of four pillars as well as the social side rather than you're seeing yeah. them but no what no, neither of you's really not not benefiting but you're both probably thinking, oh, I need to go to the gym after this. Yeah, yeah. Well, before like COVID happened and I was home for quite a while, my cousin Billy and I would play like squash a couple of times a week. And it was it was a big difference to, I, I, do, I don't mind, I, I'm happy. I do a lot of running and things on my own anyway, but it does, it does tick more boxes, like having a chat, playing squash, mm. doing that. It's like, it's like you're kind of... <laughs> being more quote efficient with how you spend that time because you're just kind of getting more juice out of that's it that's like the healthy way i think to address these the people who do take these things to extremes because you can still have a social life and get the sort of exercise requirements that you need and things rather than no i i need to work out so i can't see anyone i need to spend all day in the gym yeah or, yeah work work around it in a more yeah, like nuanced or sort of subtle or subtle, but like reflected way, I think. Yeah. My younger brother, Harry, is actually naturally better at this than probably me or my older brother in a lot of ways in that he seems to just very naturally gravitate towards like being able to, you know, he just makes an effort to 
plan things that he'll really enjoy doing and like he he now he doesn't like working out in the gym he never has he doesn't like sort of sitting and lifting weights but he like goes to a climbing club and likes Mm. to climb and kind of makes it a social thing where he knows some people there learn something he's he's very good at that actually and um yeah whereas i think my brother and i have to put maybe we're a bit more lonerish naturally and have to put a bit more thought and effort into making sure we do that but um but you know you're good at it george if i was better at football i would then i i would just do that as my sort of sport yeah. and exercise uh, i would just join a team but i'm i'm really you know george i'm not good at football <laughs> you're not good no i spent I, <laughs> <all right, laughs> I spent a lot of time hanging around the front of the goal waiting for a ball to come and then i'd just sort of deflect it off my body into the goal and then that often but (laughs) um so yeah that was that was a big part of my game um then that was all over but yes so yeah it's it is a it's a topic where i do think to me it feels like well yeah obviously you need some balance like in anything right any extreme of anything is an extreme thing that isn't inherently going to be good what if george they say i mean depending how much you respect it or not they say you are going to get a nobel prize but you'll have to sacrifice two years of your life of like your five years of your life will have to be spent in toil writing and you won't you know you won't do that much. I'm not that bothered. I, <laughs> I'm not always banging on about wanting to win a Nobel Prize. Sure. Well, what if it was, you know, you'll be a, a big, successful New York Times bestselling author? Yeah. Like you. <laughs> more more successful. You'll be, you'll be, you're, you know, you'll be like Lee Child. Right. You'll be just yeah. selling books by the bucket load. I mean, that'd be lovely, but obviously he, I think, enjoys writing, right? So there's the balances as well. It's like, I assume he enjoys it. I don't think many of the people that reach these extreme levels of success hate or really resent doing what they do. No. I would feel like all the extreme success stories, unless it's, you know, Michael Jackson was sort of bullied into being successful from a Mm four-year-old boy onwards, you know, but generally if people choose to get into a field they want to get into and take it to an extreme it's because they disproportionately enjoy it more than anything else and i think the undercurrent for me responding to this position is i don't have one of those sort of crazy extreme goals or urges or responses to doing something in a day-to-day way that takes me beyond wanting to have friends anymore so that i can just sit and write so in that sense if you're if that's sort of what we would define as like more normal then yeah, balance is a good thing. And I think it'd be very hard to choose to make those kind of extreme trade-offs because I know that, well, you know, I'm going to move to America with my wife and that'll be a really amazing experience and that'll in of itself be really cool. So I would choose to do that over sort of a long-term sacrifice for a payoff that isn't something that is my dream, you know? The thing is as well, it's with certain things, like you say, unless you're inordinately getting good, if you're getting really great feedback in terms of success and, you know, adulation or money or whatever, it's very hard to know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know that it's worthwhile to mm. go kill yourself doing it because yeah. like you say, you, you're like, well, I might rather have the great stories of all these things. Yeah. I've, done. And, I've uh, read a few, there's been a few interviews with like really successful, like premier league footballers, like played international football. And they're like, I don't like football. I just, <laughs> sort of freakish coincidence i'm a good athlete i am good at it i don't enjoy it you know i hated going into training every day i didn't enjoy the atmosphere everything about the social side of the sport is not my thing but it's lucky that it's something that pays me a hundred thousand pounds a week so yeah i've sucked it up for 10 years that it's it's like a great thing to have lucked out of being good at despite hating but also it's kind of sad um, yeah i guess i guess you just can't afford not to you exactly. can't afford not to ride that horse if you yeah i i, I think the opening of andre agassi's biography says i hate tennis right <laughs> i think it's like he was pushed to do it as well yeah. and I think he uh i think he hated it as he was like growing up um 
Yeah, but uh, sports, eh? <laughs> Nothing unhealthy about that. Um, yeah, well, we've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good one, though. I, I, uh, you know. Because I think the audience predicates the message almost like if you are someone who's got a desperate goal that you've always wanted to do, you you likely will sacrifice spending time with your friends and family and you don't need to be told it. It'd be rare. It would be a rare person to be sitting on this amazing opportunity that needs to be told, you should pursue that. <laughs> you should maybe stop hanging out with your friend. You get that maybe with like young athletes and stuff, right? You get wasted potential. But, but I, I think that's a diff- maybe a different thing. Yeah. Um, and you definitely get people who kill themselves working at something where they probably don't have the necessary talent right yeah like you're you you kind of pick the wrong because there's kind of a skill in just seeing what actually works and doesn't that, yeah, and that's when it does it does just come down to maybe time or like goal management but again there are people with very um either spe- yeah specific potential or like delusion and again they're not the norms but if you're just kind of operating in the much broader spectrum of normality which i think we certainly both are then yeah you're kind of find the things that are energizing and rewarding and address them in in appropriate amounts. The thing I the thing I do believe the thing I do believe though is that there is a deep if you if you find something you truly feel, you know, speaks to you and that you love doing and it has the right amount of challenge, I think there is a deep sort of inner joy to the process of mastery and becoming better and better at something that feels like if not you're calling something that you know you feel like this is very me whether it be like you know sport or writing or you know building something or public speaking or whatever academic work like the idea of you're constantly deepening your thought your mastery you're getting better you're sharpening and and focusing deeply on something like that i think is a yeah there's a great a great level of satisfaction and happiness that can come from come from the sacrifice it takes to get to that it's level. also that comes down to like i suppose you'd say it's like finding your tribe or whatever though right if it's like oh i'm really into chess this is my thing now you're still going to want to i would think socialize with people that like doing that or travel to places where you're going to have opportunities to play it or you know you, yeah. you just reframe your life around the thing that you've found in is enjoyable but you'd still want balance within yeah. the world it wouldn't just be i'm just going to read historic chess moves you'd, yeah you'd find a balance so it's kind of inherently i feel like it's inherently obvious that balance is good um yeah and i feel like my takeaway or on reflection my takeaway is that yeah like long long term sacrifice is is probably quite naive because having a year like we've had this year it sort of tells you that yeah don't count your chickens sort of thing yeah but the takeaway i like from what you're saying there as well is like if you build the environment around the thing you love anyway then it's it's like it's much more a part of your life all the time anyway, right? If you've got, mm, yeah. if you've got a spouse who loves culture as much as you do and art, it's going to feel like a big part of your world, being able to spend more time looking in art galleries or doing these things, right? Yeah, it's like of course. You can build an environment where your friends and the people around you and what you do is all catered towards the things you love in that way. So Yeah. But you'd think that just sort of inherently people gravitate to like-minded people. You'd hope, well, that's how people become friends, right? You'd think is shared interests, but, um, yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Do you want to do any rec Rex recommendations based on this? Or or do Um, we? Well, I finished, uh, we spoke about it just before the last podcast started that I was going to read a couple of George Orwell novels that I hadn't, hadn't read before and sort of felt was a bit of a gap in my reading. And I finished, finished a couple of them. And one of them, keep the Aspidistra flying. It feels Mm. a little bit pertinent to this conversation maybe because he's a character who sort of willfully 
chooses to neglect everything else in his life to sort of serve a very specific set of ideals that he's cultivated for himself and loses out for doing so. And then after reflecting on that process for a while and a couple of things happened in his life, he changes his opinion and becomes happier. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that all well, all well had it on the nose nearly 100 years ago. Yeah, I, that one's really worth reading. I think if you haven't, if you've only read No George Orwell through 1984 and the sort of political books, that that's one of his great sort of sort of comic social novels. Mm, it's um, still super political, but not in a sort of theoretical way, right? It's more just the day to days of of a guy yeah. on the breadline. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's, uh, it's very funny. It's very funny, yeah, and it's it's kind of. Yeah, kind of got elements of satire in it. It's a great little character study. Yes, yeah, good one. Keep the Aspidistra flying. Um, and uh, I'll, uh, well, I'll recommend a book about the dangers of ambition or, or not dangers of going too far on one side. Um, and that is the book uh, by Bud Schulberg, What Makes Sammy Run, which is a nice almost little fable about mm. uh, someone who is seen as this sort of overly obsessed character with getting ahead and uh kind of someone who sort of watches him in bemusement and wonders what what makes him tick like why is he why is he doing it um yeah so it's uh what makes sammy run by bud schulberg um film of course i mean it's got to be the shining <laughs> i mean that i mean jack jack nixon had problems with that film but a bit a bit of balance would have done it a lot of good. i mean he spends a lot of time with his family I mean, he literally says all work and no play makes you a dull boy. So, I mean, Kubrick's, yeah. Kubrick's spelling it out for you, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, some people say he's already insane at the beginning of that movie. But, you know. Um, yeah, any any movies you like on this, George? I mean, there's, there's probably loads. Um, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Kurtz, I mean, I Kurtz has sort of lost coming. all perspective. <laughs> so you think if he just if he just spent a bit more time with his mates? Yeah, if he'd have just spent a bit more time in like the mess hall with the rest of the soldiers, you know, had a few drinks, whatever, chilled out a bit more. But he, he goes a bit, gets a bit crazy, doesn't he? I mean, if if Joseph Comrade could hear this reduction of his work, <laughs> <laughs> the heart of darkness was really just about a man who had a didn't have enough balance. Yeah. Um well good. That's that's yeah, it. very you've caught me out there completely unprepared, I'm afraid. No, no I I love it. Um all right. Uh wait, on on movies, George. Actually this one I guess it, it has some pertinence, but I wanted to just mention it because you had mentioned it. Were the um the the Brian Wilson one, was it Love and Mercy? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's fantastic. It was a great, great film, and I, I kind of thought it was a bit overlooked, wasn't it? But yeah, it really was. I, th- it, it was on a lot of lists. I th- maybe it was overlooked in the UK. I felt like it was on a lot of lists of like best films of the year and the decade from sort of US publications. But yeah, it, it was like very under under the radar on iPlayer for the last six months in the UK. And yeah, brilliant, great performances. If you like the Beach Boys, you will certainly like that film. Yeah, and I know you mentioned it on a on a previous podcast. I finally got round to it, but it was um I mean, it was a nice character study. Like obviously Brian Wilson had his own mental demons, but he sort of he sort of loses himself getting obsessed with his uh creating his sort of masterpiece and sort of almost uh yeah, has a psychological breakdown. Um but it's it's really it's not just like normal musical biopic because it's nicely jumps between the past and the future. And because uh, either side of watching it, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, and they're both like pantos. In right, they're very conventional by yeah, the numbers. By the numbers, yeah. sort of the arc and the rise. Whereas this just took two periods of time out of a much broader, yeah, broader spectrum, and then focuses on maybe the the cause of the demons and then coming out of the other side of the demons without really going too deep into the chaos in the middle it's more seeing him yeah going slipping and then kind of regaining yeah. himself and obviously brian wilson's is a much more difficult story right it wasn't just a you know he wins it all he like went through a real 
hell of a period yeah um, and it wasn't just because he'd listened to too much music no. <laughs> you know there were pl- plenty of other things at work that no. you know caused um, caused that but yeah that I, I really enjoyed that film and i i also got very obsessed with that song surfs up from smile lovely yeah. um what an amazing even just the, the the last 30 seconds of that song are like transcendent it's real it's a real crazy it's a very odd song the structurally the changes in speed and tone and stuff but yeah like fascinating that that whole well you turned me on to that album smile and uh mm. oh, yeah. the, like the new release of it right yeah yeah um and so I, I think surfs up is on it might be on the album smiley smile when it was released originally i'm just oh, no, it's definitely on smile sessions as well it's on all of the so yeah sorry but that that's an album that never got released right so they then right, released it yeah. as an album you know, yeah, no, I mean, ago, but that as I a single, that song, Surf's Up. Oh, yeah, there's an album called Surf's Up, which is a kind of mixture of offcuts from Smile and a few other bits. So, yeah, uh-huh. it, obviously it was a big hit in of its own right, but the album proper is well worth checking out. Yeah, so check out Surf's Up on the album Smile. Um, all right. Thank you, George. Thank you. Um See you soon, everyone. And How are you, how's the rest of your day going to be balanced? It's going to be beautifully balanced. I've had the coffee. I've had the walk. I'm going to do a jog down the canal in Islington, and I'm going to read Elena Ferrante's new book. Oh, have you? You've got it. The physical big old hardback is it? I've got it. I'm 50 pages in, and I'm enjoying it so far. Is it more of the same? In it's, a good in a good way. Very much her style. It's. Yeah, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of the same Naples, you know, the the same same vibe. Lovely. Uh, families in Naples. Um, all right, crack him. All right, thanks everyone. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.